What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Happy freaking Monday. My name is Austin Jardine. Welcome to the Vanguard Project Podcast. Today's episode is uh, is a blast uh, with Mike Hernandez. He's a super energetic, fun, knowledgeable dude, but uh, just as a refresher for what this podcast focuses on. Uh, my goal in these interviews is uh, best summed up is growth through story and strength through community. And uh, what I mean by that is uh, as I sit down with these folks, uh, we dive into their lives to understand how they got to where they're at, giving you some insights or ways of thinking to help push you forward or uh, help uh, help find your community, uh, find you a community to join in on. Uh, so I do my best to let the interviewee share their life experiences, dive into what they've learned and uh, give you something to chew on throughout the week. So uh, with that being said, today's episode is brought to you by Everly Stock. Uh, I imagine a lot of you uh, in this crowd spend a lot of time off grid experience nature and living life well outside city roads. Uh, while I'm not likely as, uh, as crazy as you all, uh, I spend a bit of time outside camping, hiking, hunting, all that fun stuff, and uh, I use a lot of gear to keep my stuff organized and have found the benefit of high quality clothing. Uh, one of my favorite pieces of gear is the Everly Stock Bruno hoodie. Uh, I've got one on right now, actually, and uh, they're super lightweight, made of stretching material, designed to keep the sun off your skin. They've got little thumb holes, so if you're sliding your hands into gloves or whatever, want to keep everything kind of uh, not sunburned. Uh, they're my favorite, and uh, they're great for layering, and uh, honestly, the best thing I own for high-activity exercises like hiking, hunting, or I imagine uh, driving through some stressful terrain because they, uh, they help keep some sweat off you rolling around but uh they've got several color options in different camos and solids be sure to call the retail store uh to get hooked up let them know the vanguard podcast sent you and uh yeah that's about it as far as updates go be sure to give me a follow a uh on the instagrams on uh, whatever platform you listen to podcasts on linked in the episode description will be a handful of other codes and discounts as well but be sure to like and subscribe follow all the good stuff like i said but that is enough chat let's roll an awesome awesome episode with mr mike hernandez of fieldcraft survival What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. My name is Austin Jardine, and uh, I'm super excited because uh, sitting down with me today is uh, Mr. Mike Hernandez of uh, Fieldcraft Survival. And I'm super stoked because uh, I interviewed Austin a couple of, uh, I think it was like a week or two ago now from when you and I were talking, and then he was like, bro, you got to talk to Mike. He is a super, <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's a super fun guy, just an all around dude, does some crazy cool stuff. So I'm really excited to chat because I think this is going to be a fun conversation. I mean, oh, yeah, uh, it's a uh, it's hump day. At least we're recording. It's Wednesday. I'm I'm looking forward to the weekend. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. It's starting to feel like spring. It snowed this morning in Boise, and then by the time I got home, it was like 50 degrees. I was like, this is so weird. But we're getting there. So <laughs> that's cold, bro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, yeah, you're in Arizona, right? So it's like yeah. toasty, bro. It's so warm right now. It's like uh, like 78 degrees during the daytime. I think we're only dropping down to like what 50 right now. Yeah. That's funny to me. That's warm because uh, it was like two years ago. We were down in Las Vegas for um, my sister-in-law's wedding and they had it in November. And so for us going down there, it was like I can run around shorts and a T-shirt and you see all like the locals like 
like puffy down jackets and insulation. I'm like, I'm sweating. Like this is hot. So, but uh, anyways, man, if we could yep. kick it off, if you don't mind, like just uh, introducing yourself a little bit yep. and then I'll just interrupt and, and we'll get to know each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, uh, my name is Mike Hernandez. Um, my good friends call me Mikey for many reasons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am, dude, I'm gonna be 39 this year. So I'm rounding that, that 40. Uh that's, that's about it, though. I am well, currently my position, and I think this is where you found me, is I am the Fieldcraft Survival Motorsports and Mobility Director. Uh, I've been working with Fieldcraft in some form or another for the last four years, um, and I just absolutely love the job. My good friend Austin uh, Lester is the one who uh, you're referencing. He, uh, he's been working with me there. I think he's been here with us a year now, maybe, maybe a little longer. Um, but yeah, man, he's, he's one of the core individuals of our group, and uh, one thing about the group of guys that I work with is, you know, they just teach me something new every day that I work with them. They're just a solid group of individuals led by actually a really good friend of mine, Mike Glover, um, who has done many, many things, you know, that I think most people don't even realize impacted their lives here back at the States. But yeah, in a quick nutshell, that's, that's what we got going on. That's pretty sweet, man. So have you... I guess, do you mind elaborating on what it means to be the mobility and motorsports director? And then Absolutely. kind of we'll go down that rabbit hole okay. among other things. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in, in 2017, I, um, I got to a point in kind of my journey where um, I wanted to get some real instruction. You know, I, I had, like we all do, right? We get on YouTube, we learn some stuff, we take some courses, we train ourselves. But I knew the importance of, of seeking somebody at a higher level. And, and I found Glover um, on Instagram, actually. And uh, I, I told my wife, hey, this year, I want to take a course. It just so happened that it lined up. He was in uh, Arizona. And I was able to get in on a, it was a, at the time, it was fighting carbine is the way he, he referenced it. Fighting carbine, combat fighting carbine. One, um, and I signed up for the course, took it. And at the time, actually, you know what? I've always had really nice vehicles. That's always kind of been something that I've been <laughs> passionate about. <laughs> uh, well, bar one, there's one that I, that wasn't nice, but anyways, we'll talk about that, I guess. Later. <laughs> and the first, you know, I, the first vehicle is always tough, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I took my Jeep uh, to the course. Obviously it's my daily. And at the time I actually probably shot better at that course during that time. Cause I was shooting a lot. And I do now, <laughs> uh, full transparency, but you know, I did really well. Uh, and as we're packing up, I, I saw Glover's eyes kind of tracking the, the Jeep as I kind of moved it out and started loading it up. And he's like, is this yours? And I was like, yeah, man, it's my baby. And he's like, who did all the work for you? And I was like, oh, I did dude. You know, like it's, it's something that I'm, I'm like super into. And he's like, yeah, but who actually did the work? And I was like, I did it. They're, they're just bolt-ons, right? It wasn't anything like hardcore. It was just, you know, stuff that I did. He's like, dude, we should talk. And I remember that conversation vividly because I was like, oh, sweet. You know, not knowing at all his idea and his thought process. You know, he's a he's a massive creative, bro. Like he he just yeah, he's, he's brilliant. And um, he we exchange information. And I remember he, he calls me up probably about a week later. And he's like, hey, man, I, I'm super busy right now. I'm filming a pilot episode with Discovery Channel. 
Uh, I'd really like to talk in depth, but just so you're tracking, I'd really like to bring you on board as a brand ambassador for Phil Craft Survival. Nice. Okay. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And I didn't, I didn't even know what a brand. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is kind of funny too. Cause you know, I mean, Glover and I, we grew up in the eighties. So we're like, we're in this like really beginning segment of like tech and the brand ambassador thing. And yep, yep. it's still a little weird being classified as an influencer and all that stuff. But, you know, I had a small following on my Instagram. I, I still do, but you know, back then it was even smaller and uh, that's where it started. So, you know, he starts rolling out this idea called mobility. Uh, you know, it's strong military terminology um, and essentially what it is, is it's a preparedness standard, um, for vehicle based movement. Right. Okay. Um, and when he started kind of rolling out his idea and that, and actually that's even what we've come up with now, that's a current easy way of describing what in the beginning, we're trying to like, how do we do this? How do we communicate this? And he always had mobility as, as the, you know, the terminology for crap mobility. Um, and then that was it. You know, I spent that first year being a brand ambo on Instagram and other sources, just taking pictures, you know, doing a couple of events with him. And then it led to um, like knowledge transfer stuff that we'd love to do at Fieldcraft. You know, we become so others can. And that was always really wild to me because when he asked me to teach, I was like, I, that's, I'm here for that. Like, what do you mean you want me to teach? You know, and he's like, no, just the basic stuff that you're doing. You know, you live the life, you're an off-roader. That's what I want to add and preparedness stuff. And I was like, cool. So, man, it's wild thinking, you know, in 2018, 2017, that's when we started. And then fast forward to, man, it was March. It was March of last year. He's like, dude, let's bring you on full time. And I'm like, whoa, are you serious? I got to do this for, for a living? He's like, 100%. And I'm going to blow your mind. So I was like, sweet. So, you know, real quickly as a nutshell, like all in a nutshell, that's, that's really how it began. And then we started developing, you know, our processes. And there, within Fieldcraft, you know, there's, there's this little house. I don't know if you've seen it on uh, YouTube. Glover goes through our structure, right? And at the roof of that house, you know, you have your mindset, which is the beginning, you know? Um, it takes, and even in behavioral health, it takes somebody being one capable, but two willing enough to say, I need to change, or I want to change, or let's dive deeper, right? That yeah. in itself is like the huge shift that everybody comes to or needs to come to in their lives. Um, you know, I didn't grow up a prepper, you know, or even this strong into the stuff I'm even doing today and with my family. But like, you know, you meet those certain key people in your life, like Glover, and everything changes, right? So he set up the mindset of the house for me. Well, I did that, met him. And then he's like, there's three things that we're going to focus on Fieldcraft. It's going to be you, the person, um, you know, everyday carry, your skill set, your mindset, all those things are all encompassing is the first. The next one is going to be your mobility platform. Um, and I can give you statistics and stuff and reasons why we talk about that. And the third one, the third pillar is your homestead or your home, right? And with all those pillars that hold up the roof, which is mindset, the foundation is the community. We're going to focus on community and really just share what we've learned, man. And I'm like, dude, I, I love everything about what you're saying, you know? Um, it's funny because I honestly think it was like, dude, it must have been like two or three years into me working with him before we had the conversation of what I do professionally and what I had done, you know, for many years, like 14 years in total today. And 
it was always leading me to this point, which is really, really crazy. Um, you know, working in behavioral health and actually using mobility as a therapeutic intervention for the kids who I was working with. So yeah. just, it's just one of those kind of like, you know, meant to be things that stood up mobility, you know, and like I said, I've been working in the background for, for many years. We've, we've had some guys, you know, that were really solid and, and help us out, but I'm very proud to say that it's, it's actually me. And if you, and if you don't know, um, Addison, you gotta meet him, dude. He's, he's one of our, <laughs> our, our back guys. Have you met Addison? I haven't. No, yeah. I've seen his name, but I've never yeah. met him. Yeah. So me and Addison is the only one right now who is, who's worked for Showcraft the longest. So I'm the most tenured guy at Showcraft. There's other guys who like short with Mike, but yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah. that's awesome. So that, that sounds like a lot of fun, honestly. Dude. And like, like it sounds, it sounds like the dream job. 100. And, and so I guess maybe a question is how did you get to the point of being able to teach for Fieldcraft and, and kind of, I'm asking for like, where did it start? Yeah. Led you down kind of this path of like mobility to use yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, where oh did it begin God. for you? You know what, man? I've, I have been very, very fortunate to have the parents that I've had. Yeah. And I think since day one, my dad always had, he always had like this understanding of the possibility uh, of this and not necessarily mobility. But well, I'll put it to this way. My, my dad's a minister, right? He's a pastor. Um, since day one, I grew up seeing my father, you know, lead a church, stand before people, be articulate, you know, share his passion and, and his faith. And I think that's what really, really influenced me and set me up to be able to kind of step in, in, in some form of that, right? And, and stand in front of people and, and talk. And we do these events and sometimes you know, there's hundreds of people there. Sometimes there's, you know, two or three, right? Yeah. And I, I honestly think that just at a young age, you know, both my parents are ministers and, and they've pastored churches. Um, they're both very articulate, you know, they're, they're both very educated. And, and I watched that process, which is really cool too. You know, I, I watched my, my mom finish a master's degree and same thing with my dad, um, you know, working on his, my dad's also a, got a bachelor's in electronics. So, I've always seen and had that example um, and was always kind of drawn towards that, right? That teaching, yeah. aspect, that sharing, um, not so much the, I don't know, not so much the, uh, the, um, the image stuff. Cause I'm still a little funny. on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think that's, that's really where it started, man. This is my parents. Awesome. Awesome. And when it came down to the vehicle aspect of it, I mean, it, it's probably easy. I can imagine to get, and I'm going to say sucked in cause I don't have a good, another word for it mm -hmm. sucked down, you know, the ministry route. Right. Cause yeah. I, I, I was working towards a minister's license yeah. and everything at one point. Right. So like, I know that when you get into that mindset, it's like, this is where I want to go. Right. Yes. But then life, changes right i mean how did you find vehicles mm. so again i'm gonna credit my dad so you know growing up um growing up in the 80s and 90s i mean just even from a historical standpoint you know cars and the way they developed and the things that we grew up seeing in the 80s and 90s i think really influenced me but my dad who started to see me gravitate towards the off-road segment, um, saw an opportunity to spend time with me. And what he did, I think I must've been around 15 years old, 16 years old, uh, you know, right in the middle of high school, 
um, right around that, you know, developmental time period where you really start to kind of separate yourself from your family, develop your own peer group. And, you know, you start developing into man. Um, and my dad saw an opportunity with, with a common interest. And back in the day, we, he started getting us involved with uh, Polaris two stroke four wheelers. Right. And he bought us both brand new four wheelers for Christmas when I was 16. And, you know, at that time I had already started a Ford funded program, believe it or not. And those years, those four years of high school, my, my teenage years, when my dad got us involved into the whole four wheeling, you know, quad Polaris segment, I think it's where it just, it just something clicked for me. And I became totally like, this is, this is rad, you know, at some level, I'm going to keep doing this for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's funny. So then how, did that transfer into like, okay, great. I'm going to start rig or tricking out new rigs. I'm going to go buy a Jeep because Jeeps are super easy. There's so many parts. I mean, how did it, Yeah, I guess, where, what, what was the transformation from there? Dude. So, so, and I, I don't know if I've, I haven't seen really any high schools do this, you know, I, again, very fortunate of the time I grew up in and, and the neighborhoods and, and the programs that were available you know, Ford Motor Co. Ford came to our high school, set up a vocational program. We had like three or four bays, every machine. We, we had the opportunity to do, you know, basic auto shop. And then it turned into the club. But then we were also offered ASC certifications afterwards. So we were literally being taught, you know, the mechanics curriculum in high school, dude. And that yeah. I, I don't see that anywhere anymore. But, you know, our, my high school uh, had a huge vocational program, not just in uh, auto mechanics, but also, you know, like CAD and drafting. Um, there was even a, um, a construction uh, um, segment that we had there that we could frame houses if we wanted to right out of high school. Right. So there was a lot of really cool stuff that I was very, very fortunate to be a part of. So finished that knew I was in love with with with, you know, the mechanics section of it. Uh, my dad buys me my first truck when I'm 17. Um, and the thing was just a giant piece of crap, man. <laughs> and I, dad, I say that dad, I say that with all due respect, dad, you know, you're supposed to have a giant piece of crap. Your first yeah. one. And it was a gift, you know? So I, I, I remember going through that vehicle and learning all the hard lessons. And, and I say it was a giant piece of crap because, uh, it actually, you know, had a coolant issue that we were unaware of. My dad purchased it from a wholesaler, um, and it, the deal was too good to be true. And I ended up, you know, blowing up the motor just by normal driving and having to go through that process. But what it did is it challenged me in a way that I really liked, but I appreciated because dude, vehicles, your first ride, and even the one I'm driving that's across from me over here, you know, it really is freedom, man. And for me, and for us, you know, at 16, 17 years old, that's our first taste of freedom and, yeah. and your, your ride, you know? So from that point on, you know, dealing with that truck, I ended up keeping that thing forever. Uh, it was, it was like a nine, was it 97? It was, it was a nineties. I forget. It was remember the Chevy S 10s. Yeah, I do. Yeah. My dad had, yep. My dad had them. Yep. Yep. So, you know, I did that. I fixed it up. I, I swapped motors on it. I mean, it just, it was such a labor of love and the thing would just turn on me constantly for many years. I mean, I had it um, even until I met my, my wife, and everybody knew oh, that's that's Mike's little, you know. <laughs> and then that's from there, I got into the the Toyota segment, which I just absolutely loved because they were complete, completely reliable. I would abuse that truck, never let me down. Um, and I, I knew that, you know, uh, I knew that segment well in Toyotas, and I still stand by them. 
but what after that vehicle, what led me to Jeeps essentially um, was it provided me with an opportunity to start our family, um, but also extend my capability off-road. And then from then on, you know, I was, I'm, I've been pretty hooked on Jeeps since then. Yeah. So I've got, I'm taking notes, right? Sorry. Cause I'm thinking about a couple questions. So going back to the high school phase, yeah. right? So you're saying right about now, you're not seeing a whole lot of high schools, any high schools that are offering kind of the hands-on technical yep. mechanical side of things yep. as a high school student, you know, let's say there's a high school student that's listening. That's like, dude, like you're singing to my soul right yeah. now. Yeah. What, what advice do you have for them uh, to get maybe into this career path? Right. Oh, or, or field. Yeah. You know what it is, man. It, it, you know how we we're talking off camera before about those cliches, you know, there, there's, there's so many different cliches that I think growing up sounded super wonky to me, you know, one of them, and I'm going to repeat it here is, you know, like, it's not, it's not the, the destination, it's the journey and all that garbage, which is, it's true, right? And that's the point I'm trying to make is, if, if I could say something super, I don't know, fruity rainbows and unicorns, just, just follow your heart. I mean, it's so hard. You can, you can do whatever you want to do. I am operating in one, a field that was never available. You know, we didn't have social media. Dude, I remember when cell phones came out, homie. Like, like, <laughs> like this whole social media networking, well, you know, social networking thing. I had no idea. You know, for me, even really having a passion for off-road and mechanics, I, the, the reason I didn't want to go that route is because I enjoyed working on stuff for me. I didn't, I didn't like working on other people's stuff. Like that didn't appeal to me at all <laughs> at any people, right? You couldn't pay yeah. me to work on someone else's clapped out shit box. Right. I was just, no, I'm not. Wanting to do that. <laughs> so for me, it was just identifying, you know what, this is a really healthy out. My dad's involved. I love this. I, I don't ever see myself being able to make money with it, but it's mine for now. And that was okay. Yeah. And then as things started to develop, knowing that my dad used that segment for us to have a relationship, I already knew, you know, once I figured out the direction I wanted to go, I'm going to incorporate this somehow because it's a, it's a passion project. It's something that I love, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that answered it. I don't it know. It did. That, it okay. did. It did. So a question kind of coming out of that, right? So knowing that it's, it's a passion of yours, right. And you're chasing after it. And you brought up a good point, right, is, is knowing that it's healthy, right? I, I, how did you know that it was healthy, kind of keep it in check? And I'm asking for guys maybe like myself who yeah. when we find something that we love, like, you know, when I started this podcast, for instance, I got I went down the rat hole, right? Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, my wife is like, okay, you need to, like, bring it back down. Like, there come back down to planet Earth. How did you keep it in check without getting too caught up in the craziness? Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's, I think this is a pretty big portion of my life. Um, the reason I knew it was healthy is because mine and my dad's relationship was terrible when I was in high school. We, we did not understand each other. I mean, me being immature um, and my dad dealing with his own growth at the time and being honestly limited. And I remember knowing just that things weren't that great with he and I, and we would feud and all this stuff. But what he would do is he would make it a point to say, Hey, look, we're going to do an annual father-son camping trip at least once a year, no matter what was going on, 
I knew that that was going to be a good time. Right. Yeah. So understanding that, that small little, you know, and I didn't really, I couldn't un- unpackage it and understand why, or, or even deal with my feelings as to why I felt certain ways about him and why that was better. Understanding that and going through the next phase of my life, which is a career in, in behavior health for 14 years, I started to make it a point to say, you know, I, I know one thing. I know one gospel truth when it comes to relationship and especially me and my father. And I know one thing that I want to do with my children, but I also want to serve the community. So I got involved with foster care in the behavior health system. Right. And again, purely because my parents, my parents are really involved in this, in this behavior health program. And these children who had real problems, brother, like, you know, were trafficked who had traumatic brain injuries from getting beat. Um, you know, who had their own behavioral uh, health journeys and some were, you know, severely ADHD, you know, some were on the spectrum of autism. Um, some of them had some really serious things happen to them. Um, there was like seven of them in total. When I would use mechanics like changing an oil, uh, which really just translated to that time equation again, right? Kids spell love, T-I-M-E. It made me remember how it helped me and my father but over the last 14 years, every single kiddo who was placed in our program in behavior health graduated or had a positive turn in their life from when they left our house from when they came, you know, okay. they, 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 kids who come to our home, um, for the most part, you know, for somebody who's, who I can't sit down and have a conversation with like you and I, I just say, I'm a, I'm a foster parent, right? I'm, I, which technically I am licensed like that, but I also provide a service to foster care. So there's a behavior health portion of it. Okay. And what I started to see and understand, not only from my experiences from my father, but seeing kiddos from five all the way up to 17 is the amount of time we spent, dude, under a rig changing oil, right? Yeah. Or off in the mountains, you know, sitting side by side, having this, you know, four or five hour conversation, because that's how long it takes us to get out and crawl around and find camp. I saw that that's where the real work was done, you know, Yeah, is in the T-I-M-E equation. Hmm. Um, prior to getting into behavioral health, right? It, it, like that gap in between being, I want to say like 20, 21, 23, those years, you know, I, I didn't have the best choices made. And I got heavily involved into, you know, like partying and doing those things that I think we all get into making some poor choices, but always finding myself rounding back and saying, well, I got to work on my truck, you know, and it kept me out of more trouble because, you know, I was putting money and time into that too, in a very basic level. Yeah. Okay. So I definitely want to come back and, and talk more about the behavioral, uh, behavioral yeah. health stuff, but I'm, I want to ask one more question kind of along the lines of the, the time equation, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, you being, you know, the son and father, right. And yeah. understanding that, Hey, this is the important piece of it. What would you recommend to people that maybe have that same type of contentious relationship with their dads mm-hmm. now, but looking from the dad's perspective, right. What would, mm. what advice would you have for them to say, Hey, you know, if you want to go be better for your son or daughter, you know, how, how this is what I suggest you go yeah. try. Yeah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> let's, let's kind of break it down to something real simple. First they, I have seen two people and it, and, and it's, and it's sucks to start it this way. Cause a lot of people get into this discussion, but I've seen 
two people in my life at a foundational point and you're either going to take responsibility for yourself or you're not. And then those two people, they split, they splinter off. And then there's a slew of things that happen and makes it more complicated. I would say if you're, if you're in this portion coming from a father, looking at your son, one, take responsibility for the stuff that you're doing, right? Uh, we have a saying in behavioral health call where we say, you know, meet people where they're at. One of the things that rocked, dude, I'm going to say like this, that rocked my fucking world is when I got down and, and my dad and I started unpacking our relationship, he said one thing that just, just F me up, bro. And he said, Mike, I did the best I could with what I had. And I was like, Oh crap, dude. It, it, it blows me away today because like I said, you know, my dad who was an immigrant and, and I used to, we used to laugh all the time. My buddies. Cause I was like, Dude, me and my dad aren't even from the same country. How can we understand? Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a stupid joke. But, you know, it's, it's true, right? Like, uh, dude, uh, do, do you watch Gary Vee? No, but I, I know. You know yeah, yeah. So Gary Vee cracks me up because he says something similar. He's like, you know, his dad came from uh, the same situation, right? A, a third world country from Russia. And he was like, you know, we were living in the 80s in America. But when I'd go home, the four walls weren't America. It was, it was Russia. You know, and <laughs> Welcome I'm dying. back to Soviet Russia. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laughing because I'm like, holy crap. This, my dad is a Mexican. But, dude, my dad's from TJ. He's from the hood of the third world. Like, just totally different. You know, I'm this American kid. And uh, when, he, when he said I did the best I could with what I had, it just, it just blew my mind. Because that's, that's the level that we need to get to, right? I think that if you understand the ego strength, we say that in behavior health, or the lack of ego to admit, I, I didn't have all the answers. I, did, no. I didn't know what else to do. You're taking responsibility for your own stuff. But if I am the father and I'm able to acknowledge, man, I don't have all the answers, and you communicate that, I, I think that uh, changes everything, bro. I mean, it changes everything because we had this huge fight. You're doing this to me. No, I'm not. You're doing this to me. No, I'm not. And when you can sit down and be like, I, I understand or empathize, right? Yeah. It, it, it changes everything. Those That skill set, I think, <clears throat> is what really will set you apart and get you that point. If you're a young man you know, and from the opposite standpoint, you know, and you just don't understand there's something that we also talk about in, in behavioral health and, and just from a normal development standpoint, you know, your brain grows from the stem down up and forward. Right. So the last thing to develop is your frontal lobe, which is where you get all of your forward thought um, and some of your personality stuff. And that doesn't develop to your 25 you know, so if you're not understanding certain things, you know, that's, that's part of the process, right? right? Just give your parents some grace, man. And if you're a father, man, know your own shit. So part of my job in behavioral health, uh, when I'm dealing with, with kiddos who have, uh, who are wards of the state, but also sometimes their parents are still attached. Maybe the case plan is reunification yeah. it is for me to actually shared parent and then coach the parents on parenting, right? And I think that's, that's the biggest issue. Know your own crap, know what your hot buttons are, know where you're lacking, know where you're good at, um, and be able to address those things as they happen. You know, why? Yeah. Because the, the child is, is really what we're trying to develop. You know? Right. So what is, um, I guess, what's the definition of behavioral health? Ooh. That's... And, and, and I ask, cause like, I, I, 
to me, I guess behavioral health to me is like really understanding why people act the way they do and ah. trying to not necessarily convince more or less train and educate them on how to react, respond and interpret what they're feeling and thinking appropriately. Yes. So, okay. So let's, let's take it to something real basic. So at its basic form, behaviors are communication. Okay. Okay. Um, specifically with children, right? So a child can't tell you, listen, I was abused um, five years ago because of it. I'm all effed up now. You know, I wet the bed. It brings me shame. Uh, I feel scared. There's no way there's, they're, they're not physically developed enough to do that. So they have all these crazy behaviors, right? Maybe they have in uresis and incupresis, which is like peeing and pooping, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's defecating in the room, putting it in bags, hiding it in the pillowcase and the room smells like crap. Right. And someone's like, what the hell is going on? What's yeah. it's a behavior. It's they're trying to communicate something that they're not developed enough to do. Right. So at its core, when it comes to children, behavior health, um, is a broad, um, um, a lot, um, what am I going to say here? It's, it's like a broad view into a person through their uh, actions. There you okay. go. Yeah. And, and, you know, you see that even in adults, I I'm not familiar with adults because primarily, you know, I spent most of my time um, with, with children. Um, but in behavior health, when we're looking at their behaviors, you know, uh, a, a child may present with violent, explosive behaviors, manipulative behaviors, sexual behaviors, you know, th those things that we deem are inappropriate or unhealthy need to have some kind of therapeutic intervention to get them to where they are expressing those things in a healthy manner. Um, but also, you know, getting that place where they're not in crisis. Okay. Okay. So what led you down this path? Was it the conversation with, with your dad or was there something else that you're like, this is where my heart's in? So, so one of the things that was ingrained in me, and if I could pass this on to anybody, it's, it's a life of service, period. And, and this is where I think I can relate really strongly to my peer group, right? That you see now, like Phil Cross Revel. We're all involved in the community in some type of service, whether that's the military, you know, foster care, behavioral health. Um, Austin's a SAR guy, right? Search and rescue. I mean, there's, there's some kind of bigger than us ideal, right? Raised that way. Like I said, my dad's a pastor. My parents were involved in foster care. And that I saw and I knew, I may not know exactly what I want to do with myself yet, but there's an opportunity here. And it was volunteering, bro. My, my mom, you know, is a uh, department head. At the time, she was working with a, a, a crisis nursery. And, you know, there was a couple of little boys who were, they were, they were labeled as being a problem, right? They had some behavioral issues. And my mom's like, you want to come with me and, you know, play catch with these kids or maybe go to the zoo on one of the field trips. And I was like, heck yeah, you know, I'll go hang out with some little wild ratty kids, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's where it started. Um, oh my God, you're making me have flashbacks. What's wild about it is as I'm trying to figure out purpose, I made sure that um, service was at the forefront, right? So we all kind of, well, I think we, as men, we all kind of have this protector thing and we all, we all, ex we all explore certain things at some point in our life, like serving in the military. I knew that was not for me by choice too. I was like, ah, I'm not, I'm not that guy, but you know, maybe the fire department or even the police department, you know, would be a good choice. Um, <clears throat> well, I was going through school 
And seeking that, I actually got a conditional statement in that original hire uh, request from um, a local uh, police department here at the same time volunteering with all these kids, right? And again, being how I grew up in the time period, that's when 2008 hit. And after getting my conditional hire with the police department, I was actually just waiting for my academy spot. And then once you're in the academy, you, you get your post cert and you're good anywhere in Arizona, right? Right. Well, 2008 hits and they released me for budget and they, they couldn't afford to pay me yeah. to go into the academy. But I had already, I had already begun the licensing um, segment of the behavioral health stuff. So when I went back to kind of report to my director at the time who changed my life, she's like, all right, you ready to come work for me? She's like, oh, you know, I'm ready to bring you on full time. She's like, I'll, I'll even triple your salary as a, as a police officer. And I was like, wait a minute, what? And we started talking. I didn't even know, right? I just didn't even understand. She's like, no, yes, this is a big deal. Provider, your home gets certified, blah, 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 blah. And, and that's where I made my turn. You know, to me, it was kind of like, well, things are going on. I've always contingency planned. This was my contingency plan, something I loved. And then in, looking back in retrospect, that was 14 years ago, bro. Dude, that's nuts. So talking about service, right? Mm. And and kind of, I guess, having that that pillar and thought of what service is, how did you, I guess, develop that, right? I feel like that's something that you're totally right. I feel like as a male, there's an innate sense of yeah. service, putting yourself out there, right? Finding the community, what led you to really saying, you know what, I'm going to stick to this, right? Whereas, you yeah. know, I could have gone into school, I could have continued yeah. maybe down racing or whatever the case may be, what said service first to you? Again, the, the home that I grew up in, I had really great examples of that. Yeah. So regardless of the, the, the personality conflicts that my father and I had, you know, he walked the walk, dude. Yeah. And he, I mean, he did. Dude had a bachelor's degree in electronics, you know, had his, had his stuff there. He, he worked for the justice department at one point, a, a job, he was a fed, but even with that still operated as his minister still gave his time, you know, and still showed me a really great example. Even to this day, he's still doing that, you know? So I saw that. And when he, when we would have those conversations, it's always one of the things that I always respected about my father, right. Is whatever our issues were, you know, he was, he was a solid dude to the community. Yeah. Um, so for me, I knew that that was the right way to go from a morality standpoint, um, from a happiness standpoint, but even as a core value, you know, one of the things, and even to this day that really bugs me, I mean, like at my core <laughs> is when people are complaining and have done nothing or aren't doing anything. Right. Like, it's just like, well, be about it you guys you know make it like what the hell i it's action like let's do something let's let's make a difference let's be somebody right i i think it was ingrained in me from from a young age but also really part of of my makeup you know yeah. okay okay so talking then about the the process of becoming certified you know for yeah. behavioral health yeah what is what does that look like and i don't know if the process changes from you know when you did it to now yeah. I guess, what does that look like if somebody's like, I like kids, I want to help. Yes. This is where my heart's at. Excellent. Excellent question. It's changed a little bit in the sense that it's a little bit less time consuming. It's got a lot of the same requirements. Um, anybody can be a foster parent in the state of Arizona, as long as you can pass a basic background check, right? So as long as, you know, there isn't any questionable character things on there, um, you'll, you'll be fine. And you can start in regular foster care. Um 
I will tell you, regular foster care is, is not designed as a job. It's just designed um, with a small um, um, level of support. You know, you might get a worker that talks to you once every four months. I mean, it's they're supposed to see them every month, but it's the, the system is so saturated that it's difficult. So if you're looking to get involved, plug into your local social services. Um, you can look up your local child protective services or uh, DCS, you know, Department of Child Security um, and inquire that way. Look into your church, your local churches. A lot of churches, my church had, you know, a lot of that service provided or just, you know, kind of those entry level seminars that you can take and say, this is what we do. This is what you can be involved with if you need to and go that route, man, you know, call the cities, you know, uh, in, in our state, in Arizona alone, we typically fluctuate right around 15,000 kids who need some level of care, man. And that's just Arizona, you know, um, sometimes it spikes, sometimes it goes a little lower, but we do, we stay right around 15,000. So if you're, you're looking to get involved, do that. I, I don't know if, um, the boys and girls club is still active. I don't know with the whole COVID restriction nonsense. Um, that's a good place. You know, uh, back in the day, the Y, the YMCA used to be able to plug you into stuff like that. 15, that's a lot of kids. 15,000 yeah. is a lot of kids. So if, uh, if somebody's trying to get into, you know, foster care or start working down the behavioral health route, what training is available? Do you recommend yeah. or significant skills that people should have to be successful? Oh, man. So, so because again, going back to my upbringing, you know, my mom's a master's degree level social workers, therapist, you know, my dad's a pastor, um, by default, right. It wasn't even a question. We didn't, we didn't wake up and, and our parents say, you guys want to come help us at the shelter and feed homeless today? No, homie. We, <laughs> <laughs> we got up. It's like, you're going to do this. Oh, by the way, you're going to play the drums. I'm like, I don't even know how to play the drums, but I don't, mm -hmm. I don't care. You're going to play the drums worse too. You're going to leave worse. So that's, I love that. We were voluntold constantly my entire life. Right. <laughs> so that was the great part about it. If, if you're looking and that's, that's the secret. Okay. If you're looking to get involved, go volunteer somewhere. Okay. Whether it's a shelter, you know, there's, there's women's shelters, there, there's all kinds of places. Again, I don't know how COVID's interacting with things like that. The Y used to be a good spot, but there's always some kind of opportunity um, with volunteers. The state's always looking for it. Again, you just got to pass that background check. Okay. So if you can identify that, get your foot in the door in that manner, volunteer at your local churches, you know, here's, here's the one thing that I'm going to say about, you know, growing up faith-based is, is, is people have a lot of, I guess, not negative connotations because, you know, I guess corporate church or religion as a whole has done them wrong. But when you look at the basic principles of serving others and this message of love, like this is where we as Christians, I think, do things right. In, in broad strokes, our intentions are pure and good, right? And, and if you are not plugged into a community like that, I don't even know where else people would be able to find that, you know? So for me, it was always at arm's length because we were serving the community. You know, I was a, the a youth leader from like 13, 12 yeah. years old. All, everything's you know what right I mean? there. Yeah. Oh, everything's right there. Yeah. So, so I would, to me being, you know, a Christian and also being faith-based, I mean that I would encourage that to be your foundation because those are the things where you branch off and you can actually, you know, do some good work. Uh, you can call your local, you know, um, uh, police department. There's a lot of services and stuff that they might be able to get you involved in there too. 
but volunteer, you know, find out if you're able to manage this stuff, you know, dealing with kids requires a different skill set. you know, in, and, and for me, you know, there's, there's, there was one specific kiddo who did one specific thing throughout the 14 years where when we got through it, I was like, Oh, I'm made for this, you know? So I developed those skills, um, through volunteering first. Um, I had great teachers, my mom, my dad, um, but find yourself a good mentor. My mentor, um, who was essentially, well, she was, she, she's the one who wrote this program for our state, um, in the early two thousands. And she actually used to tell my mom, man, you know, Mike, she saw me when I was 17 years old. It was just hilarious. Cause she's known me ever since I was a little kid. She's like, you know, he, he's, he's essentially, you know, you guys have, uh, uh cultivated him to be a perfect for a provider for me. Cause you know, she was already licensing my mom and dad. She's like, I know how to write a license in that aspect. The other end of it is you, you could, you know, uh, pursue traditional schooling, you get a four year degree, uh, maybe like a bachelor's degree in social work, um, you know, you could be a therapist. A lot of times they do like to see some kind of four-year degree yeah. um, along with a clean record, right? Don't be a scumbag. <laughs> 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 um, but it's, it's more of an ability, like I said, to take yourself out of the equation and be able to manage a kid who's got very, very specific needs. There is this, dude, there is this graphic or, or picture that's traveling on social media and I, and I love it. It's essentially uh, a picture of a father and a son and the son's got like a little, a little like square missing from his like chest or something. And the dad's got like pieces missing all over the place and he's holding one and it'll fit that little spot that's missing in the sun. I totally know what you're talking about. Oh my God, dude, that to me will preach because when a kid's kicking holes, like boot size, like size 13, I had this massive kid one time in my house kicking holes in your wall. You're going to feel, you're going to feel like, man, I'm gonna it out. <laughs> but really is that going to help me? In some cases, you know, the whole uh, um, physically intervening will in some cases, no, you need to get to the root of that. And if you're ticked off and cussing this kid out or not able to manage that part of you, then, you know, you're not going to do this kid. Yeah. What, yeah. what would be, uh, I guess, what has been the hardest lesson learned? Oh man. It's just so many, bro. <sighs> I think, I think for me, if I could, if I could pick one, I think the hardest, the hardest lesson learned for me is that I don't have all the answers, you know, Yeah. that I want to get in and save everybody and, and be what I can. But there has been a couple of instances where because of my limitations, you know, I had to, I had to pass. Right. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to be, and, and that doesn't mean I get rid of this. <laughs> no, what it means is, I, you know, I'm part of a, a child family team, a CFT, and it comes to a point to where um, the other people on the team are like, we have at one point um, our kiddos have a therapist, a behavior coach, a psychiatrist, um, a caseworker. I have a licensing worker and there, there gets to a point in a couple of, of kiddos who are very, very much a need where I was like, I don't know what to do. You guys, I need help. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's one of the hardest lessons to learn is, is I, I think that, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. And, and the reality is, is none of us have all the answers and that's a very hard lesson. Yeah. To learn. Yeah. <clears throat> when you uh, started to, 
I guess, more or less put together your limitations. Mm -hmm. How did you, I mean, did you sit down and like write it out? Did you have somebody tell you? You did. Yes. Yes. So, so again, that whole mentor thing, I was and have been blessed with really great mentors my entire life to this day. Right. And one of the cool parts about being at this level, but even in, in regular foster care is you do go over, you know, your own red flags. Right. And you go through many um, courses. I think ours were like, it was like 10 courses, um, one a week uh, for PS maps, which is the beginning um, phases for, for foster care. I think they've condensed it to five, but you do go over like your, your hot buttons. And, you know, they ask you to be very honest about what, you know, is your go or no goes. Right. And this is something I think we should all do anyways. Right. Know your limitations. Um, We do this a lot in firearms training right because you can't just pop off and shoot whoever you want to you're gonna be responsible um so what we what we would do is we and this was a regular thing obviously you do it for your licensing but a good agency mentor um will sit down and be like okay this kiddo is going to be in your house what do you what what could you foresee as being an issue right and some people are like oh he's you know I, i can't handle lying i can't i can't handle sexualized behavior i can't you know and a good agency is gonna be like okay well we're gonna try and avoid that as a placement in your home, we're not going to match those things until you can demonstrate or you feel comfortable that you can manage, right. you know, those things. So absolutely. So there's a home study that gets done. They come in, ask a bunch of questions, personal stuff, you know, um, and that's where you go from there. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. So what would be maybe parting thoughts or, or ideas for people that want to get into behavioral health or the yeah. foster system? What are things that you're like, these are things that, you know, maybe I don't get asked often enough that, yeah. or, or people might not think about, or you wish you would have known going into it. Yeah. I would, I would encourage anyone who's interested in talking to and finding a mentor who spent an extended amount of time in, in the system. Um, I will tell you, even having a good understanding of the level of behaviors that I was going to be bringing into my home 24-7, dealing with that behavior for an extended amount of time is totally different. So make sure you get a good understanding of what could potentially be in your home. And, and that's what I would say. Um, it's, it's difficult. It's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. The real reason why we get into it is to serve the, the community, but it's, it's not easy. It's not. Um, most of our parents at this level, at this, this is the last level of in-home care, maybe a last year, yeah. um, even with understanding the level of behavior that's in your home. So find a mentor, find somebody who's going to be honest with you um, and, and give you their, their take on the system, um, but also, you know, what you could be bringing into your house. Okay. Okay. So we've covered kind of a hodgepodge of different things, right? So we talked about, you know, off-roading, how you got into it, how you worked into field craft, what behavioral health is and how to kind of navigate that. You know, is there anything that you feel like we might've glazed over or kind of in the same question, something that you don't get asked often enough or feel super passionate about that we haven't touched on yet that you want to share? Uh, no, I mean, I think we covered it, man. You know, the, the I, I think that when we're, kind of in the limelight the way that we are and in field craft and, and, and people see, um, you know, the guys are like, you know, Glover's an excellent example. You know, people really do look up to him and, and I'm one of them. I get it. I think, I think that we, we can kind of lose, lose sight of what we're really 
you know, trying to accomplish, you know, um, community is huge guys. I mean, we really are, that is our ultimate goal. Obviously there has to be some kind of components where the company makes money so we can continue on that route. But, but if, if you're missing that about what we're doing, I would, you know, um, I would ask that you go back and really understand the reasoning behind it. You know, I've never seen to this day, anybody who gives away what Mike gives away for free. You know what I mean? Like, obviously there's, you know, uh, there's a in, in person aspect and training section of it. But if you go down and look at any of our social media platforms and tie together everything that we do via like YouTube or whatever, you'll get our whole. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's there. <laughs> Everything's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And I think that's, that's huge. You know, I'm, I'm real big on that as one of our mission statements and also the growth of our families. You know, honestly, I think that strong families being a part of the community is what we in the United States really need today. And if I could, you know, really implore you to do that, you know, the the question is, how do you do that? Spend time with them. Yeah. Okay. So if people want to uh, find you, or uh, maybe they're like, dude, I want to go learn from this guy. Yeah. What classes are you teaching? Where are you at? How do they get a hold of you? What are, what are so, all the good yeah. goodies? So check out, uh, we have a big Instagram page. Uh, we at philcraftsrival.com um, is, is our Instagram page. Uh, you can also find the, um, the YouTube channel also, the Philcraft Rival channel. Um, my personal page is always open. Uh, it's, it's at mike.a.hernandez. Um, and also on my uh, YouTube page, you can get a hold of me. And it's the same thing, Mike A. Hernandez. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, is there anything else that uh, you want to get out there? No, man. I appreciate, you know, the time, dude. Um, super flattered that you would think <laughs> have me on, you know, I'm just the vehicle guy over here. But no, dude, I, I appreciate the time. And yeah, thank likewise, you. man. Thank you. Thank you. Mike, once again, man, thank you for taking the time. I enjoyed our conversation. I took a lot away from it. I hope everybody listening did too as far as uh, how overlanding works, getting into it, uh, maybe the behavioral work or potentially uh, maybe maybe taking some time to consider uh, getting into being a foster parent as well or, or supporting the foster system. So with that being said, I hope you all have a great day, a wonderful week, and we will catch you next time. 